Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. It's The Big Take from Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, has Ron DeSantis found the elusive secret to stealing Donald Trump's voters? So, you know, Ron's been a friend of mine for a long time. Now this is one of the most popular governors. He's a tough guy. He's a brilliant guy. When we got involved with Ron, a lot of people were saying, do you think he can make it? I said, he's going to make it because he's a champ. He's a winner. And I got to thank the president for his support of Florida. I mean, I'm you know, kind of excited that he's here, but I'll tell you, I'm really excited to have Melania as a Florida resident. Let me just say, Mr. President, given your change of registration, welcome home to Florida. Ah, simpler times. Back when everything was buddy-buddy down in Florida. Donald Trump, as you heard there, was all too happy then to take credit for the rapid rise of Ron DeSantis, Florida's governor. I endorsed Ron, and after I endorsed him, he took off like a rocket ship. And DeSantis? Well, he was all too happy to let him, for the time being anyway. These days, the relationship between the former president and the Republican Party's new star is a little frostier. It's no secret DeSantis is weighing whether to challenge Trump for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. And it's really no secret that Trump is not happy about it. In the past, that might have meant DeSantis would come under attack not just from Trump, which is happening, but also Trump's legions of supporters, which is not happening. In fact, some early polls show Republicans preferring DeSantis over Trump. What is going on. One person who knows is Bloomberg's national political correspondent, Joshua Green. He's just written a big story about DeSantis for Business Week, and he's here with me now in our Washington studio. Josh, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Josh, why is Ron DeSantis suddenly the big Republican of the moment? So Republicans went into the midterm elections expecting a big red wave. It didn't materialize. By and large, their candidates lost in the battleground states. They didn't manage to win back control of the Senate. But the one big exception to that trend was Ron DeSantis, who won a landslide reelection race for Florida governor and in the process won not just Republican voters, but a lot of Democrats and independents, too, many of whom think that he might even be the Trump slayer, that if he runs for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024, as most people expect, uh, that he might finally be the person who can depose Trump and loosen Trump's warlord grip on the Republican Party that he's had for the last seven years. And one of the reasons I suppose that Republicans would actually want to have a Trump slayer is because one reason the Republicans lost so badly in the midterm elections is because Trump put forward so many candidates who were not palatable beyond the very narrow base of diehard Trump supporters. That's exactly right. I mean, if you look at the menagerie of folks that Trump put forward from Mehmet Oz 
to Herschel Walker in, yeah, in Georgia, you know, to all sorts of kind of lesser House candidates who disappointed and lost. It cost Republicans control of the Senate and it cost them a bigger majority in the House of Representatives. And we can already see the problems that's causing the party in terms of the fights over who's going to be the next Speaker of the House. But backing up a step, what it really showed to people, even Republicans who were fairly Trump positive, this marked the third election in a row that Republicans have underperformed with Trump at the top of the ticket. The 2018 midterm elections, big blue wave for Democrats. In 2020, of course, Joe Biden won. Uh, And here we are in 2022 with inflation rampant and right track, wrong track numbers, very negative for Democrats. I mean, all the fundamentals showed that we were headed for a Republican wave. And instead, this Trumpy ticket and these candidates underperformed. I think it was a wake up call for a lot of people who are perfectly willing to go along with Donald Trump as long as the party was winning, but now recognize that with Trump at the top of the ticket, they're losing. And so they're searching for a new standard bearer. And Ron DeSantis might be that guy. And something you said earlier is pretty significant, I think, and that's even though DeSantis is a very conservative Republican and made his bones as a diehard Trump supporter before separating himself, he still managed to win Democrats and independents in large numbers. What did he do to attract people who you would think in this really polarized environment would run away from a guy like that? I think the real thing he did was he was very COVID skeptical and Florida became famous, you know, if not infamous during the pandemic. DeSantis was the guy who was most aggressive about opening businesses, fighting back mask mandates, keeping kids in real school. And in the travels I had through Florida campaigning with him in the week leading up to the midterms, A lot of people who are not hardcore Republicans said, hey, you know, looking back two years from now, DeSantis got a lot right on COVID. We sort of appreciate that. He was a good governor. My kid got to stay in school. My husband didn't lose his job because his business stayed open. So from a governing standpoint, a lot of people in Florida seem to have been happy with how he performed. And I think that's reflected in the landslide reelection he won in November. The question now, though, is can he appeal to a slightly different class of voters, Republican primary voters, and make himself appealing enough to those voters that they will loosen their ties to Donald Trump and transfer them to somebody else? And of course, this is the big danger that any Republican hoping to succeed Donald Trump must do. He's got to attract those Trump voters while not alienating them by turning off uh, Trump himself. And DeSantis appears to have done that. In your story, you write that DeSantis figured out a way to be the next candidate to succeed Trump without getting kind of machine gunned down by him. Yeah, I mean, DeSantis is interesting because he kind of cracked the code for solving a problem that a lot of Republican presidential hopefuls have been trying to solve and have been unable to. And that is, how do you run for president in a Republican party that is still fundamentally controlled by Donald Trump. So what did he do? Well, what most people did, and I'm thinking about people like Mike Pence, for instance, uh, the former vice president and former secretary of state Mike Pompeo had, along with a lot of Trumpy senators like Tom Cotton from Arkansas, Ted Cruz from Texas. What most of those people have done over the past five years is glorify him, fluff his ego, attack his opponents in hopes that he would look kindly on them and wouldn't tear them to shreds when they decided to run for president. That created a problem for them, though, and it's that they came off looking like secondary figures, uh, beta males to Trump's alpha male, as one Republican put it to me. DeSantis is interesting because he went in a different direction. 
when he was running for governor in 2018, he went on Fox News a bunch because he was ranked third in the time in the Florida Republican gubernatorial primary, understood that he needed Trump's endorsement and further understood that the best way to get that endorsement was to go on TV and sort of flagrantly praise and defend Donald Trump, who at that time was fighting off Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. He didn't even identify a crime. He said, oh, Comey's doing a counterintelligence investigation. Just go try to find something. We needed insurance policy to prevent Trump from getting elected. There's one thing to have a bias. There's one thing to have an appearance of, of impropriety. This is actually taking a bias and basically saying you're going to use the machinery of government to prevent the American people from making a choice. That's very disturbing. So DeSantis spent a ton of time on Fox News, just like the other guys praising him. It worked. Trump noticed, endorsed him, it vaulted him to the Florida nomination, eventually to the governor's office. But DeSantis did something interesting at that point. He stopped praising Trump. He stopped genuflecting and sort of presenting himself. Once he became governor. Once he became governor. as kind of a beta to Trump's alpha. And it allowed DeSantis to do something that none of the other guys had been able to do, and that is to emerge as his own figure. Josh, so now Ron DeSantis is governor of Florida. He's stepped into his own. And you write in your story that as he began to eye the White House, he realized he had one more big thing he had to do. So what DeSantis did that I think is pretty ingenious is he understood that he had to kind of go out and create his own issue portfolio that would get people excited, right? Every Republican in the age of Trump understood uh, that the way to get attention is to have these big, loud, messy cultural fights, most of which revolved around Trump. What DeSantis did was he realized that he needed to have big, large, messy cultural fights that didn't revolve around Trump so that DeSantis himself could kind of be the alpha male in these fights. So one of the things Trump did when he became president was he fundamentally reoriented what it meant to be a Republican in good standing. In the past, it had meant that you subscribed to a certain set of policy commitments, uh, you know, optimistic, pro-business, small government, you know, think Ronald Reagan, shining city on a hill. And it was small government. The government was the problem. Exactly. What Trump did was he sort of turned it into an issue of grievance. So from the moment he came down the Trump Tower escalator to announce his campaign, he was attacking immigrants. The Chinese are our enemies. The liberals are our enemies, uh, creating all sorts of enemies and grievances that really had a powerful effect, as we saw in Republican voters, and changed what the party stood for. It was that other people were responsible for the ills in your life. Exactly. And that he was the guy who was going to right those wrongs. Of course, with Trump, there was a big personal element to all this, that he, too, is being victimized by, you know, whether it was Robert Mueller or mean Democrats. Um, and so he had a lot of grievances to air, too. And that sort of became what Republican politics was about in the era of Trump. I think one thing that DeSantis recognized early on was that if he wanted to emerge as his own figure, he had to come up with a brand of politics that sort of rhymed with Trumpism but wasn't about Trump specifically. So one of the things he did from the very get-go of his term as Florida governor was to start these big fights, whether it was over immigration or wokeness is a big theme of his. But it was about something that DeSantis was orchestrating and that focused on DeSantis in the state of Florida. It didn't focus on Donald Trump. Josh, please stick around. We'll continue talking after the break. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com. Joshi said DeSantis began building his own portfolio of enemies to attack who people would associate with him instead of Trump. What are some examples of that? I mean, if you look a few months ago, DeSantis did this immigration stunt where somebody from his administration lured a bunch of Venezuelan immigrants onto a flight to Martha's Vineyard with promises that they would get jobs and aid, flew them there, dropped them off. There were no jobs and aid, and it became this big kerfuffle in conservative media. Um, We had uh, Media Matters for America, the watchdog group, do a study for us for this piece, and they found out that Fox had devoted 148 segments to DeSantis' immigration stunt, got people really riled up, put DeSantis at the forefront of this controversy on immigration, which we know that Republican voters care about and are primed to react to, and it made DeSantis the centerpiece of the story. And if you look at what he's done in his recent political career, he's run that playbook again and again and again. And one of the things I write about in my new Business We Cover story is that one of the bad guys DeSantis has chosen is actually corporate America, which has historically been the Republican Party's great ally. What DeSantis is trying to do is kind of forge a politics. It's a lot like Trumpism. It revolves around grievance, but it isn't backward looking. He's not trying to, you know, restore the Reagan era of sunny optimism. He's drumming up a new set of grievances for people to get upset about. And there's a lot of evidence that that what he's doing is working, that Republican voters are listening to this and responding to this, whether it's uh, fighting against what he calls wokeness in corporate America, the idea that CEOs and business people have been kind of captured by social justice and environmental warriors and are undermining sort of the basis of U.S. capitalism. We can't just stand idly by while woke ideology ravages every institution in our society. We must fight the woke in our schools. We must fight the woke in our businesses. We must fight the woke in government agencies. We can never, ever surrender to woke ideology. The state of Florida is where woke goes to die. A great example of this is DeSantis's fight with his state's marquee employer, Disney. Last year, Florida passed what critics dubbed a don't say gay law, which limited what teachers could teach children about gender and sexual identity in the classroom. And one of the people who came out and criticized the law was Disney CEO Bob Chapek. DeSantis did something that in any previous political era would have been unthinkable. And he went to war with one of the state's largest employers in Disney, threatened them, called a special session of the legislature to punish them by stripping them of a special tax break and used Disney to start a big national fight over the issue of what he calls corporate wokeness, the idea that CEOs and business leaders have been captured by perfidious liberal social justice and environmental warriors in a way that is sort of threatening to the fabric of American society. And this turned out to be a very resonant fight. Again, it put Ron DeSantis on Fox News every night. It introduced to a lot of Republican voters a whole new set of grievances that they hadn't really known about before that kind of got them excited. And once again, it put DeSantis in the role of being the prime driver of a crisis that had nothing to do with Donald Trump. It let him emerge as the big figure. And his ability to run that play 
again and again and again, I think explains how it is that he's managed to emerge from Trump's Republican Party as probably the most exciting Republican presidential prospect heading into the 2024 primaries. We'll be right back. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Josh, you write that one of the other differences between Trump and DeSantis is that DeSantis is very effective as a governor, as an executive. DeSantis, as governor, understands how to use the power of government in pursuit of his political goals. So Trump would throw an awful lot of tantrums and fire people and hire people. But at the end of the day, he didn't really use the power of government to accomplish a lot. Or he seemed like he was unable to do it. DeSantis is a Harvard-trained lawyer uh, and a very capable chief executive who has used the powers of the government to punish companies like Disney that he's gone to war with. It's sort of remarkable from the standpoint of you don't usually see a governor attacking businesses in their own party, but it's also remarkable because it's sort of the opposite of what Republicans traditionally say they want and don't want from government, and that is to kind of be left alone and for business to operate independently. One of the kind of wild things I discovered doing research for this piece was, you know, DeSantis was elected to Congress as a libertarian-minded congressman from a district outside Jacksonville. And as part of his campaign, he wrote a book sort of attacking Obama and venerating the first principles of America. And in that book, he wrote, uh, the bullying of private industry was part and parcel of the modus operandi of the Obama administration. What's so amazing and ironic about DeSantis' time as government is that he used the powers of the DeSantis administration to bully companies like Disney very successfully in a way that has built up his political image and made him into a real viable, if not the leading Republican contender for the 2024 nomination. Josh, you describe all the attention and success that DeSantis is having, especially among Republicans. That, of course, has already attracted the ire of Donald Trump. What does that mean for DeSantis now that Trump, once a big supporter, is on his bad side? Trump has been very frustrated with Ron DeSantis for a while because, as we said earlier, DeSantis, once he became governor, stopped genuflecting to Trump. And Trump felt as though he were being slighted. That frustration finally bubbled to the surface just before the elections. Trump was in a rally in Pennsylvania and referred to him as Ron DeSanctimonious, which is Trump's new nickname for him. Not quite as good as Crooked Hillary or Lion Ted, but you got the sense that Trump was sort of very frustrated. But DeSantis just ignored it. And I think the fact that Republicans, with a lot of Trump candidates at the top of the ticket, performed as badly as they did in the midterms has kept other Republicans from going after DeSantis. Like Trump's attacks really haven't had that much of effect. Most Republican lawmakers and voters seem to have ignored them. And it's allowed DeSantis to continue to emerge as this exciting potential Trump replacement if he gets into the presidential race. And I guess that comes down to one of the other signatures of Trump, which is fear. 
he makes people fear him. It's one of the reasons why people are afraid to run against him because if they don't fear him personally, they fear his very loyal voters. And in your story, you write that DeSantis has actually been very effective at creating an aura of fear around himself. Yeah, I mean, one thing that DeSantis has managed to do in Florida through his attacks on Disney and other enemies is to really instill a degree of fear among businesses, among other Republicans. It's almost Trumpian in its nature. I mean, being down there, people are really afraid of him. They don't want to get in his crosshairs. And that's an important quality, I think, for a Republican leader to have. I mean, one thing that Republicans love about Donald Trump is the fact that he's sort of a strong man who can smite their enemies. I think any key to DeSantis replacing him is going to rely on DeSantis being able to kind of expand what he's done in Florida to the nation at large. He needs to show that he's sort of a big, strong guy who can stand on his own. But that's going to mean standing up to Donald Trump at some point. It's important to strike a note of caution here because there's a long history of governors who seemed like they were all powerful and the next big thing about to take off like a rocket ship and they ended up blowing up on a launch pad. The guy who comes to mind last cycle former Wisconsin governor, Scott Walker, who seemed like this big deal, raised a ton of money, and then his campaign kind of withered and died within a matter of a few months. So it's always a little risky kind of projecting forward. But DeSantis has a number of advantages for Republicans, and there are a number of reasons why I think he should be taken seriously. One is he's managed to raise a ton of money. He raised $200 million for his reelection race. And he also won over a lot of voters, independents, even some Democrats, that Republicans have struggled to win under Trump. So he offers a kind of alternate path forward from the one that the party would be following if they simply nominated Trump to be president again. And that has a lot of appeal for people. But the real question about DeSantis is, can he get up on a debate stage at a lectern opposite Donald Trump and go toe-to-toe with him. So far, nobody who's attempted that has survived. And DeSantis has been notably quiet on the issue of Trump himself. But if he wants to have that nomination, Trump is already a candidate for 2024. He's going to have to have a showdown with him at some point. And I think we'll see at that point whether he kind of has the moxie and the charisma and the stamina to go head-to-head with somebody like Trump who is so skilled performing on television, but also at belittling his competitors, as we saw in the 2016 Republican primaries. Josh Green, thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. You can read Joshua Green's Business Week story on Ron DeSantis at Bloomberg.com. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take, the daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Read today's story and subscribe to our daily newsletter at Bloomberg.com slash Big Take. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us with questions or comments to Big Take at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is... Vicki Bergolina. Our senior producer is... Catherine Fink. Our producers are... Mo Barrow. And... Michael Falero. Hilda Garcia. Is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, 
and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.